You do not want to miss this episode of a Relationship Renovation Podcast. We interview an absolute titan in the field of relationship wellness, Dr. Stan Tatkin. He talks about this concept of becoming an expert in your partner and just how that is a complete game changer in making fundamental shifts that bring you closer together, that have you feeling more intimate with your partner, and getting through some of the problems that maybe have been blocking you for a a long time, so stay tuned and listen to this amazing episode. Hello, all, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Today, we are feeling very grateful. We have a very special guest on again on our podcast. Would you like to do the introduction, EJ? Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're lucky enough that this is his second appearance on our show. And he is a researcher. He is a, a therapist. He's really a thought leader. I mean, you know, he's one of the preeminent minds in couples and, and wellness within relationship. His name is Dr. Stan Tacken. He's a best-selling author and Tara and I were lucky enough to go on a couple's retreat with him recently and just really a very kind and wonderful human being. Thank you, Dr. Stan, for coming back and speaking with us again. That is very kind, EJ. Thank you. And hi, Tara. How are you both doing? We are doing fabulous after getting over two weeks of a norovirus. Oh my God. We got decimated. It's awful. Other than that, we're alive, we're healthy, we're well, and we're here with you. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. I'm still not eating solid foods, but liquid diet right here. Oh, well, I'm glad you're better. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, we, you know, the first thing we wanted to do before we sort of jump into our topic is that, you know, we went on your retreat in October. We went on the Wired for Love retreat, which was just a really beautiful experience. And we just wanted to, I don't know, maybe share a little bit about our experience and, you know, also about yours, about what it's like to lead couples through that. Well, this was the first retreat that we'd done live because before March of 2020, yeah. everything we did was in person, trainings and retreats. And so I was really surprised that after, you know, quarantining with Tracy and going online, teaching online, that I would be struck by an old experience of shyness. <laughs> you know, after years of doing this and being on the road and teaching constantly, you know, like other people experienced, you know, coming out of the COVID bubble, you know, people were much more tentative, awkward socially, but I thought, no, that's not going to be me. <laughs> uh, and so that was really, that was an interesting experience to kind of go back to an earlier time, you know, when I was working through all the shyness and uh, introversion, but wow, that was a trip to remember for us too, because the audience uh, may not know we, this was a, like a five-star place. Oh my gosh, it was incredible. It was amazing. Old monastery that's a hotel mm. that's, it was just yeah. us there, yeah. that, you know, that was closed to everybody else except our group. And so just in terms of deliciousness, the weather and the scenery and some of the wine stuff that we did, it was just so fulfilling as a vacation, right? But then the people were just so remarkable. So when we do these retreats, we always come out, Tracy and I always come out on cloud nine because it feels so intensely 
personal and uh, intimate and we get to know and fall in love with people. Mm-hmm. And from our position, which I, I'm sure you feel the same way, there's something about working with couples that is uh, a little bit, you know, like Snoopy watching people. Right. Yeah. But also just seeing people change and melt and shift over the time and get closer and closer is just inspiring. And it makes us feel like you know, this is sort of our um, chapel. Well, I think the comfort that you and Tracy provided for all of the couples there established like the level of vulnerability we were all able to experience in that little intimate community. And I mean, I made friends for a lifetime. We talk weekly from that Spain trip and, you know, we're always talking about the work and the couple's work we did, which was profound, you know, in a short 10 day forum, like how much we grew and learned from that and how our lives have shifted dramatically because of it. And we are, we are planning, predicting and preparing every day, Dr. Stan, you would be so proud. It's smart, right? It makes sense. And when we forget, when we forget, we'll be like, shit, we didn't do our triple P's. Like, (laughs) it's so important. We did not realize how important it was until now we know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it saves you a lot of trouble uh, <laughs> yes. and it makes, makes your time more enjoyable, but we forget. <laughs> we do. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I just thought that the experience was so, I mean, it had so much to it in that one, it was just incredible to just unplug from everything and just the sort of like the venue of like going into a couple's retreat where we actually got to unplug from everything you know, and just leave it all behind and focus on ourselves for the first time in really a decade for us. Mm -hmm. And that was really profound. And then there was, you know, I feel like the way in which you work with couples is very practical. You know, it makes sense. It's not, you know, I mean this in a very positive way. It's not complex. Yeah. But yet you and Tracy have an amazing, you know, humanistic, just sweetness and kindness Mm -hmm. that just reverberates through that practical, like, hey, A plus B equals C, Mm -hmm. that it made everything like approachable and, uh, you know, actionable, I think, which especially, you know, like with the PPP, you know, with the prepare, plan, predict, like we can do this. Uh, So it it was huge. It's interesting because the whole journey for me has really gone from high, high complexity of assembling all of these parts, you know, the, this polytheoretical approach and trying to mix and match and integrate everything, a very complicated, a lot of moving parts under the hood. And then to get to the simplicity of that, mm-hmm. for me, has been a real big journey. Uh, you know, what, what is the uh, the um, interface look like that that people see as opposed to what's underneath all of it and how we get to the simplicity has really been the research and uh, and the science behind all this stuff. But we we don't, we don't talk as much about that. Yeah, um, we do in the trainings. Right, it's what couples are needing, right? Because when there's complex like ways to try to like resolve this and get to that and understand this and set this boundary, like that can be very confusing. And when it's, I guess the way you approach with the skills that you taught us, it was check in with each other before you talk about each other. Hey, is this okay? It's always being attuned and having that eye contact. Like it feels 
doable. It feels realistic. You just have to kind of get your feet wet in order to start, you know, practicing it to, to make it kind of more of that habitual pattern. Yeah. And it's like the chicken and the egg of like, how do we get to solving the fundamental issues between us? Well, here's some tools to do it. But sometimes it feels like the obstacle is, you know, sort of the content. But what I came out of it was just like, no, don't get into that. Like it's a reminder. Don't get into the nitty gritty of it until you're looking at one another, yeah. you know, till you're seeing each other, till you're facing one another. And I think this like really feeds well into our topic today, which is we wanted to talk to you about this concept you talked to couples about, about becoming an expert in your partner. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, it goes back to parenting. It goes back to the idea that in the adult pair bonding situation with partners that are primary attachment figures, uh, it, it goes, the memory system goes all the way back to the beginning. Because this situation that we're in with our partners is most like the earliest uh, relationships we have with the originals. So much harder relationship to manage than any other relationship that we forge. And because of that, and because we're talking in terms of a two-person system of interdependence and reliability and friendliness, cooperation, collaboration, we're a team, right? It makes sense on a practical level that I know my teammate, that if we're partners in crime, if we're co-creating things and we're co-legislators, you know, coming up with our policies and our solutions to problems quickly, uh, part of being able to do business is my knowing you very, very well. Otherwise, we'll hit snags and we'll have little irritations and little problems and misunderstandings and all sorts of things that will slow that process down or cause it to come to a halt. And so it's in my best interest to constantly know more about you. Knowing more about you is power on my end and also allows me to know how to handle you in a good way, not mm -hmm. manipulate you, but to be able to be a good minder, a good teammate, right? And so we often don't think about this in partnership. We may want our partner to be an expert on us, but we don't think we should have to do that. <laughs> and there are all sorts of practical reasons. One, as I said, it goes back to childhood. So do we want to feel invisible or do we want to feel like the person we're with doesn't see us or doesn't want to know things? That could really hurt. I'm being, feeling wounded again in this relationship. So there's that. The other part of it is since our fates are tied, I need to know how to work with you. Uh, and that takes study. I have to pay attention. I have to keep looking. I can't rest on my laurels and just automate you, which is what we all do, and then think I know you because I don't. We're not really family. We're not tied by blood. Our kids are tied, but we're not. We're actually strangers always trying to get to know each other through time uh, because we must, because that's part of the gig. That's part of why we're doing this is that we're holding hands as time travelers where everybody else is moving along their track. We're along this track and nobody knows what it's like, but us. And so here's the other reason. Most problems that we have with our partners isn't that we chose wrong. It's that we chose 
aspects of our partner that remind us of things we still can't handle. I can't regulate this state that you trigger in me. Never could. Um, I can't regulate you, uh, the state that you're in, because I couldn't do that when I was a kid with my parents. You know, so if I don't know how to be competent with you, I will tend to not like you. This is based on sort of the human experience of of not liking that which we can't manage. Uh, if the baby is colicky and the baby has GERD and I can't comfort my baby, I start to not like the baby. Mm-hmm. I feel persecuted, going back to Melanie Klein, I feel persecuted by my inability to work the baby, right? And because of our the way we operate, I'm upset because baby not working. <laughs> it's not me. Right, uh, the baby, baby broken, uh, not working. You know, uh, the computer. I can't manage. It. I don't like the computer. Uh, the dog. I thought it would lick. It doesn't lick. I don't like the dog. Yeah. So, in order for me to like you, I have to feel competent with you. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I will feel helpless. I'll feel frightened. Helpless. I will feel frustrated. I will feel right, and then I'll blame you. So, in this model, I am responsible for your reaction to me, right? Because mm-hmm. I could have. If I knew you, if I knew the animal I'm with, I would know better how to approach you, how to talk to you, how to bypass things that historically caused you to get threatened or to get, you know, defensive. That's my job. And yet in ordinary life, we blame the other person for their reactions and responses. And that doesn't work. Um, I can never plan and predict or whatever, Tara, unless I study Tara and I think about what I will do next time, that will change the outcome instead of Tara should think of something that will change the outcome. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So there's very practical reasons for being an expert on your partner. Yeah. Yeah, It's felt, you know, incorporating it into our relationship has felt very empowering. Mm -hmm. You know, in the in those moments now, I'm trying to be more um, by studying what's going on in Terra. I tend then to become less reactive in the moment. You know, and that's been super helpful for me because then I'm instead of going into a place of defense, I'm able to stay in a place of like presence of what's going on. And I'm just finding, I don't know if you're feeling it, but I'm finding like, I'm just less reactive in those moments. Like um, even like last night, we had like a little moment as we were going to bed, which in the past I would have reacted we to. We just touched feet, Dr. Stan, like you and Tracy <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah. That works, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. Sometimes it takes a second. But it, <laughs> but. As soon as you touch something psychobiologically shifts mm-hmm. uh, to to something other than, you know, I'm alone and I'm adrift, right? I'm mad at you, but we're still okay. Yeah. That's what it signals. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's just, it's it's been a big shift, you know, and it's also opened me up to like a lot of like, I think empathy in those moments, because I think in trying to be an expert, I'm also understanding more deeply what's happening. Um, yeah. Tara's being Tara. Uh, EJ's being EJ, irritating, annoying, and disappointing and contradictory, like me, like everyone, <laughs> you know. And so much of this, I think, and but this is a harder thing to do developmentally, is to it's an ongoing thing of accepting your partner exactly as they are. Yeah, that's that's been a mantra for me lately. Yeah. Is in those difficult moments, I'm telling myself, I love her right now. 
<laughs> that I love her even in this difficult moment. Right. And I don't think that was in my consciousness before. It, before, like you said, I felt persecuted. I felt um, hurt. I felt disappointed. And I'm reminding myself, okay, I love her right now. I love her right now. Which then allows for, you know, because when that wasn't happening, my nervous system would kind of go into old attachment patterns and flight, fight, freeze, whatever was happening. And now it just helps me regulate with EJ and we get to know each other better in difficult moments instead of run from them or be like, here we go again. Yeah. yeah. So that's like the concept, right? Like yeah. we've become an expert in your partner. You know, our listeners, they really appreciate the like, okay, well, how? How do I become an expert in my partner? Um, by actually looking at your partner and paying attention and studying your partner, we don't do that. We carry an image of our partner up to two weeks, a month, without even looking at them. Uh, oh my God, I didn't see that. Because uh, you haven't looked in two weeks. And so, because we're, we're energy-conserved animals, right? Mm -hmm. That's part of biology is energy conservation. And so, we do the least amount necessary, and that includes paying attention. So I stop looking at you. I stop noticing what's changed. Um, I don't refresh my mind with the idea that you actually are a lot stranger and not just familiar, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we actually look at each other, we're in real time and we start to notice the strangerness again than the uh, of our partner. Partly because being eye to eye, we're, we're dealing and looking at each other's nervous systems live which is a fast moving thing that is quite interesting. It's not, you know, it's not expected and it keeps us on our toes. So that's one. Actually looking and being curious. Pillow talk or shooting the breeze, you know, talking about your things that you would have never remembered, like your first crush or the first thing you did that you, where you felt you were stupid or whatever it is. You're with your confidant, your pal, and you're shooting the breeze and you're remembering and triggering a memory based on curiosity with each other, just like therapy would work. You know, there's a lot we don't remember because nobody's asking. Mm -hmm. And this should be pleasurable, right? It's discovery. We learn a lot about each other when making love. Uh, I mean, all these vulnerabilities that are hidden, uh, you know, at other times are front and center right there. And so that's a really good time. Learning and knowing, keeping up with each other's day-to-day. -day. Who is my partner's friend, best friend right now? Who mm -hmm. is she having a hard time with? Um, what are their struggles at work? You know, being involved as if it matters, which it does, because mm -hmm. everything she goes through is going to affect me. If I don't know about it, I'll just be upset about it, her shift or change or whatever, right? So all of this is practical, even if you think just not lovers, but we're teammates. We rely on each other to win. If we don't know things about each other, we're going to lose uh, because teamwork is extremely nuanced and it has to be good even when we're under stress. Otherwise, again, you know, the music we make won't be good. Uh, the, the play won't work out. We won't get the medal. Uh, we won't survive. <laughs> we won't whatever. So I think it's taking seriously that partnership is like a career and treating it as such focuses us, disciplines us because it's only as good as the amount of effort, attention that we give it. And it's one of these areas where people just go on coast. 
I remember that first week we got back from Spain and, you know, we have four kids and a big practice that we love, but it, I remember crying to EJ, like we just had 10 days of like looking at each other for eight hours a day. Cause you forced us to do that. <laughs> yes. I forced you. I, I tied your head in a brace. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, I've had more eye contact with EJ in this 10 days. And I have in our over a decade together. But I remember that fear of like losing it. Cause we got to know each other again and study each other and have all of this time and these new experiences in Spain and meeting new people. And I was so afraid that we were going to lose it, but we just, we keep every day, Dr. Stan, every single day, we make sure we are utilizing what we learned. So do we have it in the way we did in Spain? Absolutely not. But you know, today I checked in with EJ's new hearing aid. Honey, how is that new hearing aid for you? I got to find out because we're, uh, Tracy and I are going through the, huh, what? <laughs> I thought you said that. And and we're going to go for our hearing. Test. We're probably going to end up with hearing aids. So at some point I want to talk to you, EJ. But, but, I'd be but happy he, was, to. he was really, he's like, thank you for asking. Like, and then our, our son came in to like get his backpack for school. And he's like, I I'll tell you more about it later. But yeah, just like that checking in, that curiosity it's so meaningful and and it's not a lot it it didn't take a lot of energy oh. or time on my part but it was it was super important to me because it's something that like i'm struggling with very much on my own and it's in, nobody knows what's happening you know and i think that's representative of so much that yeah. there's so much that we're struggling with that we just sort of assume we got to figure it out on our own. And, and the minute our partner takes the time to actually ask and then listen, it's like, oh, I'm not alone in this. Thank freaking God. Like, you know, maybe this person maybe even can help me. I, I think that's pretty much everything is that we are together uh, because being alone is not only depressing, it's bad for our health, mental health, our physical health. It, uh, we're not as good. We're not as resourced. So once you start doing this, you make a point of doing it and it becomes a habit and then you become aware of when it's missing and then you go and do it. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Only one of you needs to remember or it's going, you know, we haven't looked in each other's eyes. Come here. Let's look at you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, you, you talk about like automation and conservation, right? Like that we kind of unconsciously just sort of put our partner in a box. You know, we look at them through a pretty flat perception. How can you help people? Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Understand and differentiate for themselves a moment when they're conserving and a moment where they're actually really seeing their partner fully in the moment. The baseline is to automate and to operate by pattern recognition and memory throughout the day. That's our baseline. So knowing that is important because we'll always return to it. Just like uh, just like you go through a meditation retreat, 
and and now you're you're all groovy and everything and you're really happy you did it and uh you have two days of after effect and then you go right back mm -hmm. to mindlessness and and so it's a practice and it's something that has to be done with purpose uh with intention and the best way to do that is to co-create rituals co-create a principle where this must be done based on we want something better and so we agree that there's a purpose to putting this bar higher or to set this ritual or to do this thing because we want that which we envision the bar will bring us and so we decide to do it regardless of emotional state feeling state it must be done that's how you do it. and so then you push each other you force each other into it by permission and agreement right so uh so hey remember you got to greet me at the door so go back out the door and come in yeah. come in again you can be playful about it but you're training each other into a habit i'm good at, i'm very good at reminding ej of all the stuff <laughs> that is true just one of you has to remember yeah. and then it's done and then it becomes a matter of like like breathing air it becomes so part of your routine that if it weren't there you'd start to be aware right um, so we get acclimated to our routines and we are all distractible and there are, I mean, we've never lived at a time where there's so many distractions and so many things to attend to. It takes discipline and purpose to, to make sure that we live a good life. Otherwise we're basically, you know, dogs chasing a car. I mean, and that, and that sort of like comes back to another one of your, uh, concepts I took out of the retreat was, you know, what sustains a relationship are mutual agreements yeah. that then you both honor. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you know, th that's when you're playing legislators, mm -hmm. policymakers, you come together and this clay that that's being shaped by the two of you into what you call your culture mm -hmm. or your relational morals. And what, what you both are deciding is the good life and the right life, right? So two things, what is good which is a value that you both believe in, right? It's a kind of Epicurean, if you think about it, what is good mm -hmm. and what is right. That's the decision you two make and you're constantly shaping your culture accordingly as you go. And so, yeah, we need an agreement on this because it's causing havoc or it's causing a fight, it's repeating, or it's getting in the way of our getting along or it's something mm -hmm. missing. Uh, that I think we should have any of those things. And so then you you make a policy. you you create something. Do we both want this? Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I want it differently than you. That can be arranged. Good. Um, and when do we want it? How often? Um, make it something that is doable, right? Now do I have permission from you to enforce this? right? And you, you give me permission to enforce this with the pledge that you're going to cooperate because after all you signed on to this yes now it's going to happen yeah. it's going to happen i think that that's that's a big shift for us recently is a few of the primary agitators in our relationship we've made some pretty solid agreements about what our policy is around that and then when we follow through on it mm -hmm. um it builds confidence you know and, and it builds safety you know and respect and love. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, it's these little things that we do that show that I'm with you. Let's do it. Uh, I'm serious, you know, right? And 
it's hard to explain to people that what that does is something quite amazing. And we did it. And then we can do it again. And then we can do it again and again. And we can do it with all things, right? That this is not a tool as it is as an idea that working together is not a luxury, right? We have to do it. Uh, Differences are not the problem. It's never been the problem. The problem is us not working to find where we agree and where we are the same. And that is how you do it. Uh, Unfortunately, we do the easiest thing. And that's where we look is where we're different and we disagree. And that's where we stay. Yes. This is about thinking bigger. Exactly. Because otherwise we're uniquely broken and we'll never make it. Yeah, bullshit. (laughs) It's all bullshit. Yeah. Well, so we want to like our audience to know, like, you know, sort of you've just you've just written a new book. It's just come out. We'd love to have you sort of tell us about the book and and help us understand what somebody's going to get out of reading it. In Each Other's Care is actually better if people have read earlier stuff, Wired for Love, Your Brain on Love, because it, it assumes you probably are already familiar with that. And it's broken down by complaints uh, that are common complaints. And basically, it is a breaking down or or parsing of what secure functioning means in the dialogues that are there in the complaint in action. So uh, my partner is a bore. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I have one of those, but I'm sure I thought of doing my partner's boring, but let's say it is. And then the interactions that they have around this, we're able to piece that apart in terms of whether they're talking collaboratively or whether they are starting a war by the manner in which they're interacting. Mm -hmm. So this is based on the idea that there are two things that will cause all unions to break down and degrade. One is a lack of structure and organization. We don't know where we are, where we're going, and what the limits are. We don't know our culture. It's everyone for themselves. And without that structure, people will get what they pay for, which is nothing uh, except grief. So that's mayhem, that's chaos, that's the Wild West. The second, and they're just as important, is the manner in which you and I will interact when one or both of us are under stress. It's not the subject matter that gets us. It's the the way that we will interact every time when one of us is or both is under stress or in distress. The topic or the subject is simply the stressor. So, you know, the the hotter the topic, the bigger the stressor, the more we're going to show how bad we are at putting fires out or creating consensus or talking collaboratively or working the problem instead of each other. Right. Mm-hmm. All of that's going to repeat. And that's what is actually causing threat to manifest and to accrue. And this becomes a cascade that increases you know, tragically. So these are two areas that, that we must pay attention to. And so this book really focuses on those two things, really focuses not on islands and anchors and waves, not on necessarily about a lot of the other stuff I've written about and talked about. Those two things. Do you have agreements? Did you come up with a policy? Yeah. Um, are you operating as a one-person system of me, my, I, and you, you, you? Or are you actually operating as you are, a team of allies who can never afford to be adversaries because that's stupid. You shouldn't have a war in your own foxhole. <laughs> You're just not going to live or make it. 
So you have to do this or you can't thrive and you can't survive, period, in any world. So this is uh, just the cold, hard facts of the human condition. You know, consider it, uh, rise above it, or fall prey to it. Uh, and so over and over and again, over and over again, structure in the manner in which you're interacting under stress. So there was this one moment when we were at the retreat in Spain and we were coming up with our agreements and what I would like and what EJ would like. And I felt myself freeze and get triggered. I'm And I'm like, I'm going to call Dr. Stan over here because I need to understand what this is. And he's going to tell me exactly what I'm thinking, which is like, I'm not, (laughs) I am not responsible for your self-esteem, EJ. Okay. And so you come over and I was like, EJ is just telling me he needs these hugs and he needs compliments and he needs praise. And I'm like, I'm so exhausted by doing that for my children. And like, tell him that this is crazy. Like that's him to figure out. And you were like, absolutely not. It's, that is definitely your job, Tara. That's what you get paid big bucks for. (laughs) Unless you want someone else doing it. Hey, I'm your Huckleberry EJ. I'll give you what she doesn't give you. But that moment for me, Dr. Stand, was so eye-opening. So it changed everything because I think, especially in our culture, it's like, that's a you problem. That's a you problem. Like, I've got my stuff. I'm taking care of you. You know, you guys might need to do individual first before couples counseling because you got to work on your issues. And right in that moment, it changed everything for me. Like... But of course, right? And then when I think about how much I love this man, and of course I would be do anything to be there for him. And it took it out of the me, like, oh, you keep asking this of me. Like, I don't want to give that to you. To like, of course I want to give that to you. It was just, I was stuck in this narrative of our culture, really. We created that in the 70s, by the way. Um, our field shifted there too with Gestalt. Mm -hmm. You know, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. And if we should meet in the middle, fine and everything. Um, That was a reaction to a prior idea and culture of these complementary relationships of fusion and merging where people are mindlessly accepting their roles and not being autonomous, right? That was a correction. Then we overcorrected. We overcorrected. And uh, because none of it really followed any science. But we know things now about the human animal, the human primate, mm-hmm. and things that that are just true about us. And some of the things that the ideas that we have really don't hold, you know, like you got to take care of yourself before you can love somebody. No, that's not true. Yeah. Yeah, it, that never works that way. So, so yes, um, the two, you serve each other so you can take care of the kids, right? Yeah. He's not another stressor. He is the person that's going to bring me less stress if we do it better and correctly on the same team. You resource each other or you have to go outside to get resourced or you're going to find some other funky way of doing it or you're going to go to the kids to get it, which is not good. So you two first in all things. In all things. Then everyone else because everyone else is depending on the two of you being right-minded and resourced, period. I think we're learning that. I think we're learning it. You know, it's uh, it's 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 not the easiest thing in the world. I mean, it's just it's not the easiest, and it's not instinctive, and our lifestyle isn't really built to support it. You know, I think that's one of the things that was one of the biggest shockers, like Tara said, of like having this like you know, ten days of amazing togetherness, and then just being assaulted by daily life, and that left to our own devices, we won't do this. 
And so our pledge to one another and our commitment has been like, we're going to do our damnedest to like, you know, continue to do all these things because they just make too much sense and they felt too good when they were happening in that window. We are, you know, we're brilliant animals in so many ways. And in so many ways, we are just stupid. <laughs> we're just stupid. You know, give us a phone that makes all sorts of noises and and makes us vain. And we want to be rated by other people. And we want to look at the, the colors and all of this, all the sounds. And we, too, will ignore everything else, including the house burning down, because look at the attractive, funny, uh, fun-looking object, right? We're creatures of habit. Um, if we avoid something, we won't know it's missing any longer. And that's how we, you know, lose things like you're talking about, which is why we've created in life laws, rules, principles, religious precepts, rituals, because we're fundamentally lazy and self-centered. And we won't do anything good unless we show up at this time. We go to church every Sunday. We have dinner together. We, you know, we greet each other properly. We take our shoes off. We won't do anything that's really good for us. Uh, we're too fickle and uh, and distractible and all that. So that's why we come up with this stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think another gift that Tracy and yourself offered on that retreat was seeing the two of you. And that you're clearly very different people. You know, you could tell you guys, you, you're you're different people. <laughs> she and, keeps Dr. Stan and yet, on track. <laughs> you know, I saw you observing each other. I saw the way you complimented one another. I saw the way that you directly spoke with each other. Things that maybe another person might like take a step back and be like, oh, wow. You know, but, but you, you know, there was a moment where, um, I mean, I'm sure you don't remember because it was just this like just normal moment where she like fixed your shirt or something in the midst of like when you were talking and you just like very directly sort of looked at her and basically said like, you know, that distracted me. <laughs> and she didn't like, she didn't, I didn't see her recoil from it, but it was just like, you just directly said something to her and she, you know. I'm sorry, hon. And yeah, and yeah. And it was like, oh, you know, okay. Yeah, I, I did. I distracted you there for a second. We bump into each other all the time and we, we call it, you know, stop it or do it. And we both will do this with permission, by the way. We, we agree and we give each other permission to stop it, do it, right? And on any given day, we're directing each other, limiting each other, pushing each other. And we do it without complaint because that's how we get things done. That's how we do things. And it's no big, it's no big deal. Yeah. But that's with prior agreement to do so. Otherwise, we would get into a scrap. But also, if, you know, if I do anything, you know, in public, I apologize to her. Um, we do that with each other. And so this way of being, this way of living is freeing. It's not just an act. We worked at it. And and again, it's not, actually, it's the work we put into it makes the relationship easy and not a lot of work. Yeah. It, you know, it's, but you have to do something in order to make the relationship easy. Just yeah. this fantasy of it should be easy is empty without, yes. well, but how are you making it easy? Because people are not easy. Yeah. We've mimicked that and gained from that. Mm -hmm. And that there's been a few moments where, where an agreement we've made on something that, and I'm just thinking of me, me, like that I've agreed that, that I won't do something. And then I did it. And then I saw it hurt her where I very quickly said, hey, I did that thing. I was a jerk. Mm -hmm. 
I'm sorry. You kiss her very sweet face and go, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> There's so many ways you can, you can just yeah. put that fire out. That wasn't my instinct before. It was not. And I <laughs> reminded him a few times of what that could be like. Like you just come over and be like, I'm, did I just do that? I'm sorry. I love you. And you've done it too. And she's done it a couple of times oh, yeah. where like she, like one time she hurt my feelings. I forget what it was and she could tell. And then she, she said it and like, and then we like, I moved on. Cause I was like, okay, like, you know, yeah. I mean, of course she's going to hurt my feelings sometimes, but she just like acknowledged she did it and said sorry for it. And okay. I don't have to, I don't have to throw that on the wood pile. You know, I can just release that one. We pair quickly as Dr. Stan would say in his do's and don'ts of fighting, and don't branch off. That's a big thing too. And keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving forward. Exactly. So w when two people are doing this, it's really sublime because it's like water off a duck's back. And I've never been a duck, so I don't know what that feels like. But it makes life easier. And then we can focus on what's actually important because these are annoyances. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get stalled out with that. And they don't go forward. They just get stuck in, why do you always interrupt me? You always interrupt me instead of stop, hold on, and then go, right? Mm -hmm. People have a hard time being two alphas. And I think two alphas are perfect. Two journals can absolutely work together, but they have to be assertive and they have to be respectful and formal and make sure that, that they're thinking of the other person at the same time, right? Yeah. And you can do pretty much anything that way without people taking offense. So again, it's an idea that I have to consider you at the same time I'm considering myself, or you'll confuse me as the enemy, right? So it's a thought exercise, right? It's a reminder that I can't do anything without you. I can't get you on board if you are threatened by me. Mm -hmm. I can't influence you. I can't win anything. Uh, if you think that I'm, you know, threatening to you. So I think the context would be if we were in real life threat and we were in a situation where we knew we actually, our lives depend on each other, we do do this naturally. Mm -hmm. yeah. Context is everything. It's not like this is new to us. Well, we are so grateful that we've come to know you in this last year, this year. I knew of you, but now I feel like I... Love being in your presence too. Yeah, and, and I, you, you're, you're both so lovely. Thank you, and and we're also just so grateful that our audience is able to interact with these ideas and incorporate them because we know they are game changers. You know, and like you said, like I mean, life is just so much better, easier, more manageable when you do these things. So we encourage our, our audience to, you know, search out Dr. Stan Tatkin in, in his books, his retreats, you know, you, you appear on tons of podcasts and, you know, you're out there, Ted talks and everything else, like sit down with your partner and listen to some of these things and talk about them because they will profoundly shift your, your experience of being a human being in this world. This, you were saying this is hard and it is hard. But anything worthwhile is going to be hard. If it's easy, it's probably not worth anything. Yeah. And most everything we do is because we, we want the short route. You know, we want to feel good mm -hmm. now as opposed to doing good. And that's just how we roll. But that's not a good life. No, it is not. Instant gratification feels good for a second. But this kind of what we have now and 
using all of the tools that we know and having the different ideas and concepts, it really is, it's, it's freedom. Like you said, like we could be going through the worst time, whether it's neurovirus, whether whatever it might be, but we have that foundational trust yeah. that we're working together always. We're in each other's care. That's your new book that I can't wait to read comes out and in public and in private. You said that every single day. It's it's in my mind and etched in there forever. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, there's nothing better. I'm going to, when we're done, I'm going to go out and kiss Tracy. Because <laughs> I can. I'll kiss Tara afterwards as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and one more thing though, too. Thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge, because not only has it helped us tremendously in our relationship, you know, we supervise a lot of our therapists here and it has helped us do even, we were already doing great work with couples, but it has helped us do even more tremendous work. You know, that idea of like, you know, maybe this couple might need some individual first. That is like the very last thing I even recommend now. I'm like, absolutely not. If there's depression happening, it's the couple. Let's talk about how we deal with this together. We're in each other's care. Let's not separate this process. That doesn't feel good anymore. Yeah, because they need help now and they need help with the system. Yeah. Um, individual work in conjunction with couples work um, is fine. Exactly. But not instead of. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Stan. Thank you for being on our podcast today. We'll put in our show notes audience like links of how to get you know more of this information, how to connect more deeply with Dr. Stan. And it's just been another you know incredible time spent with you. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Dr. Stan. We truly admire the work you do, your wisdom, your knowledge, your relationship with Tracy, and your sharing of your wisdom to the world so we can all try to be better humans. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to be. That's what we're all doing. <laughs> Um, and so thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Your relationship deserves it. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the same. Me and you have all the fame we need. Indeed, you and me are we. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.